We're going to pray for Josh this morning when we get done with the Word. I, uh, I just feel that you follow the pattern of Christ, you can't go wrong. Amen? He taught, and then he prayed for people. Because the Word goes before us. Amen? We don't go before the Word. The Word goes before us. Amen? And I just, uh, that's another thing, too. He didn't feed anybody till he preached them. Did you ever notice that? He always fed them, then he fed them. The church gets that mixed around. They're wondering why they're not getting something done. Well, you're not feeding them the word first and then feeding them. Amen. So just follow the patterns of Christ and you just can't go wrong. Amen. Um, today I'm going to start out a little different. Now, next week going to be a treat. Maybe. I don't know. It's a, I don't do, um, what do you call those piece? Illustrated, illustrated messages. You probably have never seen me do an illustrated message, maybe, I don't know. But I'm going to do one next week. And it is coming from um, our life and ministry, what we have recognized. And I believe it's going to help you when you are, aren't you tired of witnessing to people, talking to people, and it just seems like God gives them what they're asking for? And then somehow they, they go another direction or go back to where they were after they got what they needed. And then before it's over with, what they needed took them. Took them away too soon. Aren't you tired of that? And I can look around this congregation and I can see several that have witnessed to people and God has moved in their life. And then over a period of time, and, and I'm going to tell you, there is a way to deal with that. There's a way not to, now I'm not talking about to deal with the sorrow of losing someone, um, whether it was, when I say lose, I'm not necessarily meaning death, but I've, I've, I've ministered to people about their dying marriage. And you think that the marriage is coming together? And in time, it just falls apart, and it died. Something died. And and I've seen, I've seen people with relationships, and it's just died. I've watched people with their finances come looking for help, and it seems like God's moving and and He's delivering them and taking care of them. And then the next thing you know, they're filing bankruptcy and they're losing almost everything they got. And over the process of years of ministry, God, I believe God has shown us something that we, as those who are carriers of this, this precious water of the Word, that we have more that we have to offer that we don't know we have to offer. Walking in the Spirit, there are some things we have to give them that maybe we don't know. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just show you that this next Sunday, because we're not dealing with inanimate objects. We're not dealing with a, a God who has power to perform, and we believe that he's going to perform, and then after he performs, well, then everything's going to be rosy, you know? I don't know how many of you, but every time I've seen God really answer prayer in my life, that's when the battle really started. That's when he wanted to take it away. The enemy wanted to take it away. Amen? And so we're just going to show you some things because I believe you are equipped 
to overcome and conquer and lead and, and nurture and direct and disciple those around you with absolute success. And I believe that with all my heart. You have something not everybody has as a Christian. And we're just going to bring that out next week. So this week, I'm going to start out in, in, uh, in um, Isaiah, which is about a little over 600 years before Christ. Okay? For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. The government shall be, the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Do you see right there, six, over 600 years before Christ came, before he was born through a virgin birth, before he came and, and began his walk here, over 600 years before that, he has been given his identity. And I got news for you, God has given you his identity. Amen? As Christ, as, as, as he is, the Bible says, so are we in this world. We have an identity. And uh, that's, that's very important. Watch this. He says, of the increase of his government. See, this is one to jump on. This is a bandwagon. How many of you ever gotten invested in something and got there a little too late? If you've ever went to a pyramid meeting, <laughs> once you got there, I can tell you the people that are going to make money is already there and already made it, and they're looking to make more money off of you. Amen? You've got to be at the ground level if you're going to get on anything, and it's going to be increased. Amen? But here's the marvelous thing about God's government, getting involved in His government, is it comes and it will never stop increasing so wherever you you jump into the kingdom increase is coming it will never what, what did he say he says of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end amen so you can't get in this thing too late there's always going to be increase in it says, and upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. Now watch this. He, when we see he says he's going to establish it with judgment and with justice, we kind of look at that at our first glance and we are looking that the world gets judged and we get justice. But it's quite the opposite. He's coming to judge us and to bring justice to this world. What do you mean? The Bible tells us that when he comes and he draws us to himself, what robe does he put on us? The robe of righteousness. His righteousness. He ex we exchange our filth and filthiness, our, our unrighteousness, for his righteousness. And from that point on, he judges you righteous, 
So everything the righteous receive, you receive because you are judged righteous. See, we've always been taught in church to to kind of shy away from God's judgment and run to his justice. The truth is we need to be doing just the opposite. We need to be running to his judgment and shying away from his justice because his justice is what he's going to set straight in the world. He's going to bring justice to everything sin has touched. Amen. He's going to do it. But he's going to judge us righteous. Those, the Bible says, those that are not with Christ who deny him, they are judged already. God does, when the, when the white throne judgment happens, when the, when the world is all come to an end as we know it, and, and, and everyone will stand, everyone will bow a knee, everyone will come before the Lord, those who are not in him are judged already. He's not going to judge. He's going to judge us. And when we read that, we almost get afraid. But that's the thing we need to be running to. Because on that day, he will judge us once and for all righteous. And we will see it like we've never seen it before. We will know it like we've never known it before. It struggles. It's a struggle for us when we hear those kinds of words because uh, we know who we are and we look in the mirror and we know who we are and we don't like what we see. Sometimes we've behaved in such a manner. We responded to somebody in a manner. Maybe we talked to somebody in a manner. Maybe we, we got ourselves involved in something that we really wouldn't wish we hadn't got ourselves. And we look in the mirror and when we look in the mirror, we're looking at ourself, and we got in that because of, 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 of who we know of ourselves. Okay? And that's what got us drawn into that. When we don't know who we are, then we feel the need to defend. We feel the need to, to step up and, and, and make things right ourselves. We feel the need to step on and defend ourselves or even defend Christ. I remember growing up, man, I was ready to, I was ready to go to a fight if you said, uh, if you use God and damn in the, same, in the same sentence. And honestly, I was just borrowing an offense. An offense that wasn't even anybody offended. God was not offended with it at all. All they were doing was commanding God to damn something, and what human can command God to do anything? So why am I getting mad? (laughs) You know, God had to straighten that out in me because I didn't know who I was. I was trying to be something I thought he would be pleased with. So I stepped right up to defend. God doesn't need my defense. Hello? Hello? God needs my submission. God needs my commitment. God needs me to submit totally to him and allow his spirit to rule in my life rather than my flesh. Because one of the two are ruling right now in your life. You may say, I don't want a ruler. I don't have a ruler. Nothing. Nobody, nobody bosses me. I promise you, you're under the leadership and the boss and the dictatorship 
of either your flesh or of his spirit. Now here, I'm going to show you something here. Very, It's very important for you to understand that because there's no in-between. There's a process of exchange. There's a process of transformation. But there is no, hey, I, I, I'm not ruled by anybody. Well, I hear somebody say that. They're ruled more than anybody. They're under more bondage than anybody I know. And they don't even know it. You know? There's times you won't see anybody more rebellious and, you know, territorial and that kind of thing than you do in prison. And Lord, they're in prison. And they walk around thinking like there's somebody. You're in prison. They tell you when to get up. They tell you when you can go to your cell. They tell you when you're going to eat, when you're not going to eat. They tell you what kind of clothes you got to wear. They tell you just what your parameter is and where you can go, where you can't go. How much you can make and how much you can't make. There's somebody on every corner to tell you where to go, what to do, and they think they're free. They think they have some kind of freedom and some kind of, you got nothing. And that's what's wrong so many times is humanity thinks they're free. They think they know who they are and they're searching for their identity. And there's no more of an identity crisis than what we have right now in history. I mean, they can't. They can't go to the, I had to clean this up a little bit. They can't go to the bathroom to determine who they are or what they are. It's mass confusion. And it's the enemy who is stealing this identity and they'll get mad at me for saying it. I remember I was out at the prison one day. And there was a prisoner there and he was complaining about the injustice of our government in Illinois. And I remember that, that officer turned around and said, the justice of the government of Illinois? You're upset about that, son? Yes, I am. I shouldn't even be here. He said, well, as long as you're mama and you keep voting them in up there, you're going to keep coming in here. You know? And he didn't like that truth. Because that truth messed with his identity. And when you don't know who you are, you're apt to do just about anything. Amen. How many of you have heard somebody or said it yourself? I've said it myself. I've said something to somebody and said, I can't believe I said that. That doesn't even sound like me. No. No, that sounded just like you. The you that you are. The you that the world and you have developed. Did you know that's what it is? Before we come to Christ, and even after we come to Christ, so many are still the person that they and the world have developed. They still think like the world. The Bible says these are carnal Christians. They're eating off the flesh of the world, the flesh of each other, the flesh of themselves. All right? 
So Jesus came, watch, watch what he's, he says here in, um, in um, um, John 10 and 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. What did Jesus come to do? He came and established a government that has an increase that has no end of increase. He came with identity so that you can have your identity. Did you know God does not want to give you so much his identity that he wants to give you your identity, who you are? Because once he gives you that, then you will know who he is and who will you be then who, and it's not a manipulative thing. He just knows you will be favored. Your favor will be toward him. Your, your allegiance will be toward him when he gives you who you are. And did you know you will never be who you are? until the Spirit of God comes in and lives. I remember who I was. And who I was was my grandfather, very strong my grandfather. And you would not have liked my grandfather. My grandfather, when we buried him, Nobody came, hardly anybody came to the funeral. And he'd been in the government of that town. He'd been in business in that town. He had, everybody knew who he was in that town. When I went to that town as a boy, my grandfather was one of the wealthiest people in that community. Everybody knew who he was. Everybody knew who my grandmother was. When we had my grandmother's funeral, when it started, uh, that, that visitation that night, when it started at, at I think it was like 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock in the evening, is that when you start them? We didn't get out of that funeral home until after 10. People wouldn't quit coming. Everybody knew my grandmother. Everybody loved my grandmother. People came in we didn't know, and they would say, well, yeah, but Lucille, we didn't have any groceries, and Lucille came by with groceries. I was at the register, and Lucille paid my bill because I didn't have the money. Uh, it was always Lucille did something for me. And we had a line of people. Several years later, my grandfather died. <laughs> I had to be a pallbearer. My two brothers had to be a pallbearer. And then the three uncles had to be a pallbearer to get him out the door. So when I say I'm like my, and I used to tease about it because my grandfather's Last name was Christian. And whenever I'd behave like I used to behave, somebody would say, what's wrong with you? I said, that's just a Christian in me. And they thought I was talking about Jesus. And they'd look at me like, that was crazy. Why are you? That's not Christian, you know. Oh, yeah, it is. The Christian heritage, I know it is, just like them. But I would stare in the mirror and I didn't like what I saw. I didn't like what I was living with. Pat did not like what she was living with. 
because through some hurts and some disappointments and some things happen, and I don't use it as an excuse, I don't talk about it much, simply because we harbor the offense. And then another person shows up, or the person that the flesh and the world, the devil and myself, have developed. And then I get saved, and it's still there. Is that hard for you to believe? If you don't believe that, just go to any church. This one's, this one's a good church. People got their flesh, a lot, of, a lot of their flesh under control here. There's a lot of churches you can go to, and hey, those are some of the meanest people you're going you're gonna to walk into to visit. Why? They're saved, but there's still the person. They've not allowed the Spirit of God to come in and dwell. They go play in the spirit, spiritual playpen on Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday, or wherever they visit, and, and then they'll get spiritual here and there when they need it. But as far as letting him dwell and change, they don't. So now, so watch what he said. He said, I, I didn't come here as a thief. To the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And so what we have to understand is Christ didn't come to leave us as we are. He said to his disciples, come and let me make you fishers of men. What were they when they were born? They were born to be fishers of men. Christ is not coming to make you into something that you don't want to be. Christ is not coming to make you into something that he somehow wants you to be or that you'll be approval to him. Christ is coming to make you who you were born to be. Who you already were and those around you and yourself and what you listen to and what you believe corkscrewed you into what you believe you are now when that wasn't it at all. The Bible actually says that until a man, hang on just a second, I'm closing. Don't, don't, don't let me lose you here. He says here, I knew I'd find it. Just give me just a second. Because I'm going to read the whole thing to you. You won't. You, it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, passage here. And I, and I hope it does to you what it did to me when I read it. I thought I had it. I did have it. And then I lost it. But you just hang on a second and we're going to go home. 
up to this point, before we allow the Spirit to actually dwell in us, we are actually slaves to the person we were never created to be. Sometimes we get to thinking, I, I know with a lot of people, um, you, you've got people that feel like that if I, if I get, I mean, if I get to be too Christian, if I get too close to him, then I won't be able to do and won't have fun the things I want to do. The fact of the matter is that you, that's not who you are to begin with. I'm telling you, I've lost it and I can't find it. Ain't that just like it? Um, but I'll just go ahead and I'll read this to you. Did I get it? Did I get it correct? Man, it just erased. Hmm. It sure enough did. It sure enough did. It erased. Hmm. All right. Well, I'm not going to let the enemy steal that, so we'll just go right here. Living by the power of the Holy Spirit. So now, so now the case is closed. We read this last week. There remains no accus accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. Those who are in Christ Jesus cannot be condemned. Although there are some manuscripts that add to this verse, for those who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, the addition is not supported by the oldest and most reliable Greek manuscripts. It doesn't, it just simply says, the Bible actually at first just simply said, there is no case against you any longer. There is now no, therefore no condemnation for those who are in union with Christ. And what I want you to understand in, in, the, in the actual translation of this, this whole chapter what it says is, until, it, it doesn't give you an, 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 an alternative. Once you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, once you've been drawn of the Spirit and accept Him, and you've become union with Him, like a marriage to Him, not like a marriage here on earth, not like a failed marriage that you might have experienced, or not even like a successful marriage that you might have experienced. Because this is God and you. And he has come and he has chosen you. Say it with me. I am chosen. I, I didn't select him. He chose me. He sought after me. I'm his because he chose me. See, that choice comes with the question of how could he choose me after all that I have done and what I've been and, and my intentions of what I plan on doing tomorrow, how could he choose me? Because he so loved you that he chose you and he sees something in you you cannot see in yourself yet. 
His love is by choice. Our love is by performance. And, and listen, I don't mean to smack anybody around. I'm right there in the same boat. We do so much when we first meet her, don't we? We, we, we open the door. We, we ask her where she wants to eat. We, 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 we think of special holidays and we plan and we do all these things because we're performing for her acceptance. Amen? And that's, that's your, your love is founded on that. It's the basis of your love and it's the basis of your relationship down the road. Down the road, it's, well, you know, uh, she just doesn't do the things she used to do for me. He just doesn't do the things he used to do for me. And now we're falling out of love. Why? Because the performance level stopped. God said, I have chosen you. You have not chosen me. While we were yet sinners, he laid down his life to pay the price for you. While you were in his thoughts and minds and, and you had already existed as far as God is concerned, he sent his son so that he could deliver you not from sin, not from this world and not from the devil. He wants to deliver you from you. Wow. Wow. Because see, if you're delivered from you, you're delivered from sin. You're delivered from this world. And you know you have conquering power over the devil. Sickness and disease, malady and malfunction, you have absolute control over it when you know who you are in him and know who you are in yourself. I've told you over and over again, the three things you have to know in life is know your God, know yourself, and know your human, your fellow man. There's your success. That's where success lies in. Know God first because he's, gonna, he's going to make you into what you were created in your mother's womb to be. Before you were touched, before you were violated, before sin got a hold of you, before unacceptance got a hold of you, before conditions got a hold of you, before performance ever got a hold of you, he showed up. And he made you. Now, who was that person? You can't even tell me because you lost them long ago. Amen? But when you find Christ and his love begins to work on the inside of you, you begin to discover who you once were and who you were always to be created as. And you can only know that through the freedom of the Spirit of God. See, he makes you free, free indeed. I've said this forever. I, I never did like it because they talk. Glenn Campbell sang a song, closed-minded people, on, on, narrow-minded people on the narrow-minded street. And that just infuriated me. I love the song, but I just that verse just infuriated me because God is the least narrow-minded in the world. Hello? And his path makes more available to me than anything in the world. Anything my parents could have provided for me, anything this world could provide for me, anything an occupation could provide for me, God provides for me a path 
so don't tell me he's a narrow-minded. You couldn't be that narrow-minded and create this vast universe. He's the most open-minded individual you're going to find. Amen? And at the same time, knowing there is only one way to him. There's where it gets narrow. It's the bridge between you and him. That's the only narrow there is. And it's only in Jesus Christ, not in anything else. And when you begin to know who you are in him, and he begins to reveal to you who you are that he created, those are the dreams that he said, I'll make come to pass. Those are the things he said that he will prosper you in. Those are the things that he said, I'll give you favor with, with me and with all men. It's those when you get to there. Amen. And we celebrate today Jesus Christ coming to give us that hope and opportunity to know who we are and who we are in him. Amen. And I'm telling you, there's no danger in this. If anything you've ever recklessly went after, he is the one you can safely, recklessly go after. He will never harm you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will be the only one that he was there when you were con consummated in your mother's womb. And he was there when you breathed your first breath. And he will be there when you breathe your last. It will be him and him alone. I can promise you when you close your eyes for the last time, it will be him who takes you by the hand and takes you. Now, don't ask me what happens after that because I don't know. All I know is the Bible says to be absent from this body, to be present with him. Amen. What that looks like, I've heard a hundred stories, and they all sound pretty good. I don't know what your story will be, but I know it'll be just as personal as your relationship is with him. Amen. Merry Christmas to you all. Pat and I love you and appreciate you so much. We pray for you on a regular basis. You're always on our hearts. You're always on our hearts. I mean, it's, it's always on our hearts. If you would like to just end this service and let's go into the Christmas, our Christmas, individual Christmas season, can we do that by pouring in to him, John? And l listen, listen, folks. I'm not talking about the failures. I want you to stop and think. I'm not talking about they got healed and then, then it came back. I'm not talking about they got restored and then they, then they lost everything. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how many times have you prayed for somebody and God moved. What they did with it, is that your business? But God moved, didn't he? So now there's something that flows through you, amen, that when you touch, amen, God moves, right? Right? That's what we need to focus on. Don't focus on any failure. Focus on when you pray for somebody, God moves. All right? We're not going to ask Josh to get up because he's struggling breathing right now at this moment. But who knows how he's going to be here in just a minute 
or by the time he walks out of this building, or by the time he gets home, or by this afternoon. Amen? Or by tomorrow morning. Who knows how he's going to be. I'm believing that he's going to be breathing better. I believe his lungs are going to release. And he's going he's, he's getting oxygen. His oxygen levels are good, right? He just can't breathe. Now, that, that, that's not right, is it? So that tells me God's at work already. Because if you can't breathe, your oxygen levels go down. So God's already working in his body right now. The life of Christ is already there. So why don't we just go back there and pour more life into him? And this is how we're going to dismiss today, all right? I love y'all.